I love to sit and look through those holy pages And read about the eternal rock of ages See all that God has done, the battles he has won The great prophecies unfold In every book from Genesis to Revelation I see his loving grace and this great salvation Brings courage to my soul, for I know he's in control. I believe every word is true. Yes, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. How I love his precious... It's time now for the Teaching Timeless Truths radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton. So get your Bible, a pen, and your Bible study notebook as we journey through the truths of God's Word. And now with today's Timeless Truth, here's Pastor Walton. Luke's Gospel, chapter number 18. Luke's Gospel, chapter number 18. Now, we're still seeing Christ traveling towards Jerusalem. He's headed from Galilee to Jerusalem, and he continues to teach along the way. Could you imagine traveling with the Lord at that time? The scenery as you traveled and the Lord showing different things about the scenery because he was a master teacher. And if you read the the teachings as he taught his disciples and those that would listen, he was very good at the graphics. Consider the lilies of the field. Uh, he would say things like on their way in John 15 uh, towards the garden, he would show them the vineyards and say, uh, you know, I am the vine, ye are the branches. And he would show them the picture of the vineyard and put a picture in their mind that would help them with the truth that he was trying to give to them. Now, in chapter number 18, we see two parables on prayer. And they are going to give us a picture of something that God wants us to get hold of. Then we're going to see the prohibiting of children and Christ will rebuke when they prohibit the children. Then he's going to talk about the peril of riches when a rich young ruler uh, asks him some questions. And then he's going to give the prediction of Calvary again, which, as you remember, every time he says something, it's like they don't get it. But they will get to the book of Acts when the Spirit of God enters into them, and they'll say, and then they will remember what Jesus said, and the comprehension factor of what Jesus said will come to fruition. And then lastly in this chapter, the great physician, the physician that cured the blindness. And thank God, not only does he cure the physical blindness, but he cures spiritual blindness. So let's take a look at the parable that starts the chapter out in verse number one where it says, And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying, There was in a city a judge, which feared not God, neither regarded man. There was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. 
Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? If we take a look at this parable, we will see the persistence of prayer, the persevering in prayer. Now, this comes on the heels of him talking about the uh, return of Christ. He was talking about that in the chapter previous. And basically here, hey, listen, keep on keeping on. Persevere. Occupy till I come. Keep on keeping on. And as you go through life, you'll need prayer. We need to pray always. We, we know from reading other passages of Scripture, we understand, we comprehend that we are to pray always. Men ought always to pray and faint not. We hear, you know, pray without ceasing. And the idea is constantly be talking to the Lord like you do to people all day long. Now, we don't talk to a person constantly all day, da, 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 never stop. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about that you stay active in prayer. And listen to me. When we talk with somebody, my I speak their ears here. They speak my ears here. In our speaking to God and God speaking to us, we speak to God through prayer. We pray and thank God for all the verses that we hear. Look at the book of Psalms when the psalmist was in trouble, was in a tight place, was hemmed in, had so many tribulations and persecutions and he cried to the Lord and the Lord heard look through the times that great men and women of God that loved him called to him and the Lord heard he was inclined his ear to so we speak but when God speaks he takes the word of God through the spirit of God and he takes that word and he speaks into our heart and he gives us the things that we need. And I love it because the Spirit of God will teach us those things the Bible talks about, number one. But number two, he will guide us in that truth. He's the guide that takes us through the truths of the word. And number three, he brings it back to our memory. And so many times, I will repeat that in these Teaching Timeless Truth messages because it is truth that can continues it's continual truth you continually read with the spirit of god in you letting him flourish and let go of looking at anybody else but just yourself let god then speak to you and he will guide you in that truth he will teach you that truth and when you need it he will bring it back to you that's why david said thy word have i hid in my heart that i might not sin against thee so it says here that men ought always to pray. That phrase, to the end that, men ought always, means this, to see the necessity. It has the idea you've got to comprehend the necessity of prayer. Men ought always pray because of the necessity. It is a need. You cannot have two-way conversation if you are never praying to God, if you are never there. And he said they ought always to pray and faint not. Don't lose heart. Don't keel over. Don't pass out because you are not praying. Don't let it get to the point where you say, oh, my goodness, I have nothing else to do. And he said to this end that men ought always to pray at all times. There's never, uh, you know, when's the best time to pray? Always. Should I pray in the morning, noon, or night? All three. As oft as you have a time, pray. 
think as you're going through your day and you talk with people when was the last time i talked to the lord even if it's just to say lord i love you lord thank you for the day lord i'm struggling here will you give me the strength to go on lord i just wanted to say this has been wonderful to hear from you just talk to him in prayer and have great discussions with him now the other thing here is to the end meant audit to pray it is absolutely necessary that you persist in prayer and it says not to faint listen to what it says in first chronicles 16 11, seek the lord and his strength and his face continually and then it says in jeremiah 29 13 and you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, E-T-H, continually asketh, continually receives. And he that continually seeks, seeketh, findeth, continually finds. And to him that knocketh, continually knocks. To him it shall be opened. The stern warning of Matthew 26, 41. Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Ephesians 6, 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Persistence, perseverance in prayer. Be careful for nothing. That means don't be pulled in two different directions. Uh, someone put it this way, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Continue in prayer and watch with the same in thanksgiving. Colossians 4, 2, simple little verse, three words, pray without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Now, he gives them this illustration, again, to picture their mind, saying there was in a city a judge which feared not God nor regarded man. In other words, he, <laughs> this guy didn't care about nobody. He's a judge. He doesn't fear anybody. He doesn't respect anybody. He's not worried about it. He's just going to judge and not care about anything people-wise or God-wise. But there was also a widow in that city, and she came unto him saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. She had someone that was causing her some problems. The word adversary has to do with an opponent, okay? It has everything to do with someone who is anti or against you. Now, our opponent and, and our adversary, the devil, walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And she wanted to be avenged of him, revenge him, vindicate, punish retaliate do something about this person so here's an unjust judge we, we, we read it in there he's not a good judge he's an unjust judge he doesn't care about people and things he's he didn't let anything he's just kind of a mean person okay and because of that here is where it's at. In fact, in what Solomon said, Moreover, I saw under the sun the place of judgment that wickedness was there, and the place of righteousness that iniquity was there. So we have this lady. She is a poor person. She is a widow. Okay? There's no money to bribe the judge. 
She is a woman alone in a man's world, and this is a man's world here at this time, with no man, no money to secure legal counsel for her case. She has no way to get representation, so she just comes and comes and comes and comes and comes. She's being persecuted. She has an adversary. She is being continually hit by this adversary, so she's going to continually hit the judge. <laughs> just, just that simple. And she is in a place where she's got nothing to lose, really. You know, and, and the judge's point is, I'm not giving in to this person. I'm tired of it. I don't have to put up with her. She's not bribing me. I, I'm getting nothing out of this. I want nothing to do with this widow. But look what he said. And he would not for a while. But afterward, he said within himself, Though I fear not God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, ETH, she just keeps on coming back. She just keeps on coming and presenting her case. This woman troubleth me. She literally, because of the, she just keeps coming with her troubles over. And I'm tired of hearing them. I'm tired of seeing her. I'm tired. I know her case backwards and forwards. She said it a hundred thousand times. He said, huh, because this woman continually troubles me, I will avenge her. <laughs> Lest by her continual coming, she weary me. Her unending pleas are wearing me out. She has got me wore down. She is wear literally. She's just wearing me out. Uh, someone said that uh, she, she's given him a black eye. <laughs> this word can actually mean to annoy or to damage a reputation. See. She was persistent in her going to the judge. And so the Lord then says, and he's not calling himself unjust. He just gave an example to bring their mind. So the Lord said, here, listen to what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God, the just judge, avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him? Now listen. They're crying day and night, so we know there's a time factor here, and they keep coming, and they keep coming, but he says they should continue to come, though he bear long with them, okay? So if God, you know, if he's going to kind of delay to help them because he's got something for you to, to get, there are things, there are tests and trials, and then when we come through them, he hears our prayer, and he gives us the resolve, and hopefully we learn something through the trial that will help us. Now, there are troubles, there are tribulations that he can help you through, but a testing, he, you have to go through the whole testing to get what God's bringing you. There's persecutions, and sometimes those persecutions will last. Nehemiah had tons of persecutions, and they would fix one, and then would come up, but God answered every one of them. But the people who are persecuting the church and persecuting Christians, they have no intention to stop. They have no intention to let up. They have no intention of trying. No matter how much God gets in and stops it, they'll come from another angle because they hate Christianity. They hate God's people because they hate God. And Jesus said, marvel not if the world hates you. It hated me before it hated you. So if the world hates me and you're one of mine, it's going to hate you. That's just the long and short of it. So he says, listen to what the unjust judge says. I tell you, God will do what he's going to do. He will avenge them speedily. You may not think it's speedily, 
but he will. God's son will come at a certain time. Because remember, this is on the heels of the coming of God. And he ends it with this. Nevertheless, when the son of man cometh, will he find faith on the earth? What's going to happen when he gets here? Will he see the faithfulness of men because they have stood praying and they understand and they know and they are, are totally sold out to him? Will they get it? Yes or no? So we find here that we are to be persistent in prayer. Now he gives another parable on prayer. This one is to look at two people. And he wants again to show something about prayer. Here it is. And, I sp and he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others like this unjust judge. So he's connecting those who live their lives not fearing God and not regarding man, those who think they're somebody, they're righteous in their own mind. I know who I am and what I am, and I'm going to be who I am and what I am because I like that. And, and they don't have anything else that has God in them at all. So he says, here's two men. I want to tell you a parable about two men. And here they are. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. Okay, the Pharisee's the self-righteous religious guy. He's the one who knows the law. But the Bible says, according to the Gospels, Jesus was saying, hey, listen, woe, 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 woe. He just continually pronounces woes on them because they are not going to lift a finger. They will laden all the burden on the people, but won't lift a finger to help. They don't ever pitch in. And they love to sit in the higher seats. They love to pray out loud with their fancy words. They love to be seen of men. They love to have the accolades of men. That's why they didn't like it when there was someone that came on the scene that pulled away from them and people were following Jesus and they were coming and listening to what he had to say. And there was even in John's Gospel, chapter number nine, in the healing of the blind man there, which was kind of interesting because the disciples were even confused, saying, uh, why was this man born blind? Was it some sin of him or some sin of the parents? And God said it had nothing to do with either one. It had nothing to do with sin. It had to do for the glory of God. And here's where it comes into play. I'm going to heal him, and he's going to be the great illustrator of my strength and power and a message to the Pharisees. And when this guy finally comes and, and you know, he tells him how it happened, he tells him again how it happened, then he goes and tells him it was Jesus that did it because Jesus came back to him. And they ask him again, how did he do it? He said, I've already told you. And, and he said, would you be his disciple if I went? And they said, you were born together in sin. Do you teach us anything? You know what the Pharisees were saying? You were born in sin. We weren't. We're righteous. We, we're, we're such above you. And then there's the publican that the people hated because they were the ones who were going and collecting the taxes. They were their own people who were hired by the Romans to go and collect taxes. And then what they would do is they would collect more than what was really asked of them, and they would make a profit off of it. They would give to Rome what was due, and they would keep back apart from all these people. And they were uh, you know, coming out pretty good, and nobody liked them at all. Now, let's take a look at this parable, because they don't name him. It's a parable. He's just giving them an illustration. The Pharisees stood and prayed, and this makes sense because we have all the scripture of the Gospels to prove this is true. Then the Pharisee stood and prayed thus within himself. So he's praying 
within himself. And here's what he's saying that no one can hear out loud. God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners. Now, that's funny. I mean, you think about it. Uh, extortioners. Uh, what were they? They were constantly extorting the people. They, they were constantly, this had everything to do with uh, you know, robbers and plunderers and graphics. And, and they, they were people who actually were just not well reputed. But that's what he said. I think I'm not like other men are. I'm not. And of course, they maybe not been taking the money like the, the publicans were. But they had their little schemes and the, the, the lambs and buying of the lambs and exchanging of the monies and things like that. He said, or unjust. Well, the unjust judge is what God called the judge up above. Where do they get to their unjust? See, they're unjust simply because they don't know Christ as Savior. They don't even want, they're Christ rejectors. How can they be anything but unjust? Adulterers. Now, listen, we can't point fingers because we don't know all of them, but we know that they were not uh, always like they thought they were. Or even as this publican, he points them out. Now, this is a parable where God shows us the focus. He says, I'm just not like these other, but even like this man, meaning he has no right to be here. This guy is not one of us. And he then goes on and touts all of his works. Works will not get you into heaven. Works will not save you. For by faith are you saved through grace, and by, or by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Not of works of righteousness, which we have done, has he saved us. Not by works. But I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. You remember the one where they put in their money? And then the widow came and put in the one mite. And Jesus said, I'm telling you, she gave more than every one of those Pharisees because they gave of their abundance. She gave all she had. And the publican, now we switch to the publican side. This guy that he says, the Pharisee says, has no business being there. He is one of those extortioners. And he was. He was unjust. And he was. Yeah, no question. But he says here, the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Oh, the tax collector was standing at a distance away. He didn't even think he could lift his eyes up to heaven. He's just beating his breast, saying, oh, God, have mercy. Be merciful. Be gracious to me. Show me mercy and grace. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. He confessed what he is. I don't deserve anything. I'm a sinner. It's all bad. I'm me. And then Jesus comes along. And he says in this parable, as I've told you this parable of these two men, I tell you, this man, the publican, went down to his house justified. <laughs> I love that term, declared righteous, declared righteous. No, 
he's not a righteous person. His righteousness are his filthy rags. He's been declared righteous by the blood of Christ, which is coming. He's on his way to Calvary. He's one of those that will be in that looking forward to the cross that will come in just a short amount of time. Of course, we know this is a parable, but he said he went down justified, declared righteous rather than the other. He didn't even mention the word Pharisee. <laughs> that guy, he's so self-righteous. And again, Isaiah 64, 4, all our righteousnesses is as filthy rags. He talks about it fading. Listen to me very carefully. It is very, very interesting to me the fact that the vast majority of people seem to classify themselves today as self-righteous. And everything's all about self-esteem and self and number one. And it points to just one person, you. To thine own self be true. Look out for number one. Well, my Bible says Jesus comes first. Not me. Jesus comes first. And I've said this many times in messages. Vance Havner's message, God never comes next. He said he comes first of all or he don't come at all. Colossians says that he has the preeminence. He's in front of everything that we are, think, and do. He's in front. He's number one. And we must put him number one. Well, it's sad, but there are those who have uh, a self-righteous attitude. But all oh, for the second one. Not self-righteous, sensitive. Sensitive to the things of God. Sensitive to the Spirit's conviction. Sensitive to all those things. That's why Christ said, For I send you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. How can we do that? Because we don't have to have our righteousness exceed them. We just need to be declared righteous by a holy God. He said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other one. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Be persistent in prayer and be perceptive. Be perceptive. The righteous, self-righteous Pharisee was not perceptive to the things of God, did not pick up the things of the Spirit of God, but the publican through the conviction of the Holy Ghost, said, I'm not even going to look up. I'm beating my breast. I'm unworthy. I'm a sinner. He was declared righteous, and the Pharisee died unless he ever met Christ. Of course, it's a parable. He would die in his sin, full of self-righteousness, but never clothed in Christ's righteousness. I'm glad I'm not getting in on my righteousness I'm getting in through the blood of Christ on Christ's righteousness that's been imputed to my account. Therefore, I have been declared righteous. My friend, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? If you come to that place where you beat your breast and said, I'm a sinner, I can't do anything about it, Lord, I, I come to you by faith. I pray you'll do that today. Father, in the blessed name of Jesus, help us strengthen us. Let us see clearly where we are. Let us pray and not faint. Let us see the necessity of it and have our fellowship and talk with you. And just a little talk with Jesus makes it right. 
and not be like the others. Be persistent in prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Pastor Walton praying you have an absolutely awesome week. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. How I love his precious word. It thrills me through and through. I believe every word is true. Oh, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. How I love his precious word. It thrills me through and through. You have been listening to the Teaching Timeless Truths radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton. You can send all correspondence to tttbroadcasts at gmail.com. Tune in again next week for another Timeless Truth.